amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His kingdom moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Good evening. I am David Murray. Uh, this is Blog Talk Radio, Zeal for Your House, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Dorothy, good evening. How are you tonight? I am doing very well. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. Um, I know you and I were speaking before we went on the air here, and uh, I am want to let our viewers know that, guys, my goal here, uh, the Lord's been speaking to me uh, for a while now on some of the things that, that uh, he is looking to do in this generation um, for the next couple of years, um, the next uh, movement of God, the will of the Father. And when we say movement of God, uh, i got to stay on point tonight. Okay, but real quick, the movement of God is there is um, things that initiate from the throne room of God, um, from his kingdom, and there are things that uh, initiate from man's heart or man's desires or man's agendas. And our job is to operate the way we were created, which is to be in perfect friendship and unity and submission to the King of Kings, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, communicating through the Holy Spirit that's in us to his kingdom and doing the will of the Father. This is what the new covenant gave us the right to do. No other covenant gave us the right to do this. We'll talk more about this as we get into it. But so here's what um, Father God's been been speaking to me on, is the body of Christ needs um, teaching. We need to return to the fundamentals of our relationship with the Lord. Um, A lot of us have lost sight of what our walk is meant to be. And, and we, we throw around the word Christians or, or born again or Christianity or relationship uh, almost to the point where it's a cliche. And um, so one of my small parts to do, we all, every single one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. There are no spectators in the body of Christ. We can act as spectators. We're not called to be spectators. Every single one of us are meant to grow up according to Ephesians 4.11 into the full statue of Jesus Christ. That means in deep, intimate friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ, communicating moment by moment with our Heavenly Father's heart, speaking to him. It's relationship. 
And that's awesome news. And one of my jobs as someone who is not perfected in any way, but as an older believer, not necessarily older in years, although I guess I'm getting older every year, um, but older spiritually is to teach and instruct and reprove and, and train and correct and encourage and motivate and point the way to the throne room. That's what the generation of believers that are meant to mature are meant to do to the next generation. Um, and we, every single one of us are meant to do that. Every single member in the body of Christ who's received Jesus as Savior is meant to grow up to be an elder. Elder is not a title. It's a function. Man has made it a lot of times to be a title. We may call someone an elder um, or call someone a deacon or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. But it's, God's not interested in titles. He's interested in function. And we are all meant to function, to grow into the full stature of Jesus Christ, which means to have a level of intimacy and a depth of understanding of righteousness. Hebrews uh, 5.12, Paul describes very clearly what makes someone an elder, what makes someone who is designed to teach the things of God to the next spiritual generation. It's understanding righteousness. Righteousness is the foundation for everything we engage in the kingdom. We either engage him from the mind of Christ or we engage him from something other than that, which is a demonic mindset. doesn't mean we have a demon inside of us. When I say demonic mindset, guys, part of that's meant to shock us because it's the reality of it is that when we move by the carnal-minded man, which the Bible says we've died to, um, Romans 6 Romans 6 is an amazing chapter. It basically talks about how when we accepted Jesus Christ, we entered into his death. We died to the old man, and we were given by the power of the Holy Spirit a new nature. And in that nature, which is the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to think his thoughts and feel what he feels and do what he does. That's known as the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is accessed by our spirit communicating with the Holy Spirit in us. Um, and Coming full circle, this is what the Lord is desiring to return to in this generation. Everything we're doing, guys, is moving toward the fulfillment of prophecy. It's moving in the fulfillment toward the end times. Jesus said we were in the last days 2,000 years ago. We're still in the last days. Um, there's things that have to be done first, which is to preach the gospel into all the ends of the earth. It has not been done yet. The Lord's not coming back yet, guys. I know many of us are scared and afraid and are hurting because of our environment, our upbringing, um, either past or present or fear of the future. But the Lord is not exalted by us giving over to the fears of the enemy. One of the things, Satan's job is to do two things, guys. He's either to rob us of our salvation and throw us in hell, allow us to throw ourselves in hell, really, say that more accurately. Okay, if he cannot keep one of God's lost children from being reconciled, his next agenda moves on to plan B, which is to t attempt through working through your ignorance of who you are as a child of God to make your life miserable. He has no teeth. Okay, he has no teeth. Does he, was he given a degree of power? Yes. Yeah, so what? Big deal. Big deal. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's not a big deal. Um, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. What's that scripture saying? The Holy Spirit that's in us is greater than Satan. That's what that scripture verse is talking about. And he only has power over us to where we empower him. The scriptures say, whatever is your master, you become slave to that. 
right? So wherever our mind is, there our heart is. I mean, Jesus spent three and a half years teaching us on the principles of the kingdom of God. He spent three and a half years instructing us to begin to introduce to us the kingdom of heaven so that we begin living by the kingdom of heaven. And that's what tonight's topic is going to be on. We're going to try to keep this to a half hour. I want to try to move to more regular scheduled teachings and instruction um, that are in more bite-sized pieces that are serve as more solid foundational appetizers, meaning you're going to get some meat. And then if, if you want to dig further, you're meant to dig further. Um, I used to do an you know, hour and 45 minutes, hour and 50 minutes, and an hour, and I'm really trying to uh, follow the leading of the Lord and keep these as short as possible. So it's going to be a challenge, but that's the benefit of hearing these and having them recorded in this day and age. So anyway, speaking forth God's will or declaring the will of the kingdom, um, there's a couple of different ways we can say it. What does this mean? First of all, this is a powerful message. I'm I'm not saying that my message is powerful. The words, the scriptures, the topic, the word of God is a powerful message that we're going to be discussing tonight. It talks about, we're going to talk about knowing the Father's will and how to apply or speak or said yet another way, declare the will, tension, the desire of our heavenly dad as it exists right now from his throne room. So let's start with a little bit of background here, and then we are going to move fast. Um, The kingdom of heaven operates by a system of government. The scriptures say that the government will be upon his shoulders. The government that was given to Jesus, now I understand there's a double prophecy there. Jesus will one day return and fulfill his earthly obligation to physically reign as king. But the government that was placed upon his shoulders was the kingdom of heaven, guys. Jesus was not given an earthly government. Remember, the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. Everything that manifests on the physical realm has its origins in the legal transactions that are taking place in heaven. There's no argument in heaven. Everything is decided judiciously. That's why Jesus says, and we'll talk about this, I have given you my authority. Why do we need to give an authority? Authority is not the same as power. Authority is the right to decide a matter and to execute it. Okay. Um, Anyway, so heaven is a system of government. There is no anarchy in heaven. We must, must understand that, meditate on that. There's no anarchy in the kingdom of God. It's a very, very well-organized system of government. Um. Angels do not argue. Angels move in perfect formation, in perfect unity, flowing with perfect assignments, perfect understanding, clarity. There's no contention in the kingdom of heaven. Where the scriptures say, some of you thinking, well, going right to the verse, uh, heaven suffers violence. Put that aside. That has nothing to do. That was a transitional, transitional time that took place between the old covenant and the new covenant. And the exchange that was taking place through what was going to happen on the cross that was going to give us the authority we now have. Um, Down the road, we're going to be talking about our favorite mistaught scripture verses and and just common sense and and learning how to study the word of God properly. But that's outside the scope of this. Okay. Every aspect of the father's kingdom can guys and has been since the beginning of the written word perverted. 
And I'll back up even more and say everything from God's heart and nature has been perverted since the fall of man. It actually precluded that. It started with Satan. Satan was the first one to begin perverting God's word, which was before the fall of man. It's what led to the fall of man. So, guys, here's the key that we must get in this hour. And I am blessed and honored to have so many different people, so many different groups and members of the body of Christ, right? One body, different members. And I am honored and blessed, and it is my sincere, weighty privilege to share with so many different uh, Christians that have so many different backgrounds and types of fellowship. Here's a principle that never changes. Hear me, family, please. Every single truth will be perverted. We must stop throwing out the truth because of the counterfeit that's being preached. Okay, um, we just stay on the narrow road. We do not toss out the truth because of an excess. We trim away the fat. We remove the excess. We remove the perversion so that we stay on the true and narrow path. Everything in this kingdom has a truth, has a principle. Everything in this kingdom has been and will be perverted by false doctrines, some through malicious intention, some through people that just don't know any better because we either hurt and we perceive everything. Remember, everything in the word of God will be perceived through our image of the author. Everything we read will be filtered through our image of who the author is that wrote it. And because of that, we hear words, we get understanding, uh, we may hear prophetic insights from a prophecy is the, is the heart of God revealed. That's all prophecy means, guys. A prophecy is just God sharing something to us that originated in the spirit realm from his throne room, and he's making it known to his church. Okay, that's all it is. We've mystified it. That's, that's all prophecy is. Prophets by nature, by calling, by design, are people that are particularly sensitive to the heart, mind, and will of the Father and are meant to train the rest of the body of Christ of how to walk in that same level of intimacy and discernment. New Testament prophet is not the same as an Old Testament prophet. New Testament prophet is one of everyone else in the body of Christ that has the Holy Spirit inside of them. The Old Covenant did not do that. So we need to snap that with the sword of the Spirit. We need to make a clear line between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Okay? We stay on the narrow road. Lamentations 3.37 says, Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus teaching his disciples how to begin applying principles of the kingdom. Okay, Matthew 6 is key. So with that, we're going to get into this, knowing the will of the Father. What is it? Anything expressed in the New Covenant, guys, that fits in with the restoration plan that's outlined in the Garden of Eden is part of the expressed will of the Father. We ever, you're not sure what the will of the Father is? What is, his, what's, what is he doing right now, right? What's he doing through the church? Remember, everything he does is through the church. We're in the new covenant. He works through the church. That doesn't make God any less God. He can do things however he wants. There's, there's an idea under certain circumstances, certain circles. Well, if God limits himself, he's less God. Guys, I say this in love. That's just, that doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm the head of my household. 
if I decide I want my children to do certain things and I delegate certain responsibilities to my children, that does not stop making me their dad. That is my right as dad to decide what I want my children to be responsible for and what they will not be. God chose, chose to work through the body of believers by Holy Spirit entering into us and living through in us and bearing witness to what the Father is doing. Remember, Jesus says, I, I will send you the Holy Spirit, right? New covenant coming. I will send you the Holy Spirit. He will not speak of himself. He will testify of the will of the Father. Okay, the Lord moves through the church for the purpose of reconciling as many as they will freely accept the gift of reconciliation. That was described in the dialogue that took place between the Lord and Adam and Eve back when they first rebelled, and every single covenant since then has slowly unraveled that more and more. We are in the final covenant of the church age, the new covenant. We are restored. We are one with the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We possess his, his mind. We possess the kingdom because we're spirit beings. So what's his plan? Spirit was released on the earth to live inside of us. We entered into a blood covenant. Matthew 16, 18 says, and this is Jesus speaking to Peter, saying of what he's going to do through him once Jesus ascends to the Father, once the new covenant is instituted. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay, what is he saying? This is the key, guys. This is something I want us to understand. It's the main focus of this teaching, is that we are meant to carry out the will of the Father. The Lord chooses, because he's dad and he's in charge, he chooses to work through the church. It's one of the greatest forms of intimacy. If you ever wonder why he does that, it's because there's intimacy in it. When I'm working on a project with a friend, or if I'm allowing my children to quote-unquote help me with a project when it'd be quicker for me to do it by myself, again, that doesn't make me less of a father, less of a man, less of a husband. I'm engaging my family. I'm engaging my friendship. And I'm engaging intimacy through the people that I love. It's the same thing with our dad in heaven. He chooses to work through us because it's intimacy, guys. There's nothing, it doesn't make him less of a God in any way that's, you know, just think on that, guys. It doesn't really make sense. God is God. He will always be God no matter how he chooses to do things, and he has the right to do whatever he wants. Right? He, he has that right. He says he will never violate his nature. Does that make him less God? Well, there's something he can't do. He can't violate his nature, right? Can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it himself? I mean, we need to begin apprehending his heart. And then the things that we get tripped up on will no longer get in the way because they're based upon carnal thinking. And we died to that. But here's the main thrust of what I want to talk to you about, about the kingdom. Jesus is beginning to teach as he's getting closer to fulfilling the new covenant, the great restoration, the great rescue plan, as it's been called, 
is in Matthew 6:18. He says, "Upon this rock," meaning, and it's self-inflection. You know, many people say, "Well, there it is." Peter's Jesus is calling Peter the rock. No, he's he's saying, "Peter, your name is rock," and it's on this rock, meaning Jesus patting his own chest. Peter, your name is rock, and on this rock, me, I'm going to build my church, my ecclesia, my my body of believers, my children, my servants, my friends. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Where have I stopped and worry? What are the keys to the kingdom of heaven? It's he has he is going to be giving his church the principles and the authority to delegate the will of the Father to take place in the physical realm to fulfill what God promised back in the garden. Okay. Here's the really cool part, guys, and this is a verse we talk about a lot. It's a very common verse, right? We've thrown this out a ton of times. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I want to show you what the Greek says, okay? The Greek says, whatever you bind on earth will have been, past tense, bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Both words bind have the same Greek root it's the Strong's 1210, and it's whatever you bind on earth, Greek word Strong's is 1210, dizite. When you move on to later on in that sentence, whatever you dizite on earth will have been didemina in heaven. Whatever you bind, perfect present tense, will have been past tense bound in heaven. The same thing with loose. The loose is Strong's 3089. It's lasite in the first part of the sentence, and it's lamina. I'm probably butchering that. Lamina in the Greek. Whatever you loose, perfect present tense on earth, will have been lelimad, past tense in heaven. What is Jesus saying? Ever you speak, you will be declaring what has already been transpired from the throne of God. You will speak. I will give you the keys. I will give you the authority. I will give you the right to use my name. And because of that, whatever initiates from the throne room, you will carry out. You will bind and loose whatever has already taken place and been decreed from my Father in heaven. The emphasis changes here is when we understand what's really being spoken in the Greek. We do what our Father does in heaven. Jesus said that when he was on the earth competing with the legalistic Pharisees, the religious people. He said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And the scriptures make it very clear he is the exact representation, the perfect prototype of someone who comes to live on the earth under the leading of the Holy Spirit. He was the second Adam. He is the blueprint for our walk with our heavenly dad. Just as Jesus says, I only do what I see my father in heaven doing, we have the right and there is the expectation from the throne room that we declare what his will is in heaven. Okay, let's, Expound on that a little bit more. Matthew twenty-eight twenty. And Jesus came to them and said, "This is at the end, right? This is he's getting ready for his ascension. He's completed the work. Okay, we're going to go through uh, 
Matthew and Mark and in Luke. Okay, this is Jesus before he's getting up into heaven. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations. Well, what's the connection there? Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me, so therefore you go. Because we've been given the right as his ambassadors of heaven to use his authority. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Mark 16, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. These signs will accompany those who believe. They'll drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up snakes, they'll drink poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. Jesus is introducing the keys to the kingdom of heaven to the first group of believers. He is giving them the final instructions and commission of what they're to do and is explaining to them how and why they'll do it. How they're able to do it? They're able to do it because Jesus was given all authority, and he's getting ready to delegate it to them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, Luke is awesome. Well, they're all awesome, right? The word of God. But Luke was a doctor. Luke a lot of times will speak in greater detail um, in, parts of the, in, in parts of the Gospels. Um, he gives more detail, and um, that's why it's so important to cross-reference. You get a, a Bible that's cross-referenced. So I'm going to the Gospels. It takes me forever because I'm constantly flipping through to see the other sections because it's how we get the complete picture. Um, things that seem to contradict, not really contradicting, is that some of them are more simplified and others are given with more specific detail. Um, Luke explains in both the end of Luke and Luke 24 and in Acts, he fills in some of the keys and the timelines of how this is going to take place. In Luke 24:49, again, Jesus speaking, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That's the same conversation in, in Mark 16 and Matthew 28, Luke 24. All three of them are giving the same conversation, different aspects of the final commission before Jesus leaves. Luke goes on to explain it in Acts 1-3. Uh, quoting, after his suffering, he presented himself and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He, meaning Jesus, appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. After Jesus' resurrection, he went back on the earth for 40 days and continued to teach the apostles and the earliest disciples about the kingdom of God. Why? To equip them to declare and to carry out what is the will of the Father, which Jesus told them. Make disciples, preach the word, heal the sick, cast out demons. In other words, guys, let's slip the dogs of war. You go and destroy. I've given you the authority. I've, I, have, I have conquered death. I have conquered. I have taken the keys of Hades. Here's my authority. Here's my scepter. Here's my signet ring. Here's the power of my Father in heaven. You go destroy the enemy. Guys, there's no pitched battle. We need to stop that nonsense. And this is coming from someone that's seen plenty of demons, right? I don't talk about them because it gives some people the eebie-jeebies, and quite frankly, it bores me. They're ugly. They stink. If you ever get around one and, and, and the spirit opens up to you and you smell them, they smell like sulfur on a good day, on a bad day, just, just make your stomach turn. They bore me underneath my heel. They're underneath your heel. 
They're underneath your foot. It's not a pitch battle. Guys, this is a slaughter. Satan only agrees with what we allow him to agree with. That's why the church and this nation and the earth is in the condition it's in. And we say, well, the, the wickedness of the end days is abounding. It's abounding because the church is asleep. Right? It, it, where I go, I, I, guys, I'm nothing special. I'm no different than you. Same spirit in me. Same spirit. We have the same authority to use his name. Where I go, there's no pitched battle. Simply because I agree with what the Father says. What he says in heaven, I agree with and I carry out on the earth. I declare what is true from heaven. He says, I've given you all authority, David, in my name. Well, okay, Lord, then I'm going to agree with it and I'm going to do what you say to do. That's simple, guys. I am no, I, there's, there's no special anointing. This, <laughs> oh, man. Standpoint. Okay. Guys, we are all filled with the Spirit of the living God. The enemy is under our feet. We, there is no battle. We need to stop. We just, we need to stop playing church, whether it's to live for our own selfish gains and just want to get together to just have a fun time and not really seek the heart of the Father. I have tons of fun with the Christians that are in my life. I mean, we have a ball. We just, it's a lot of fun. Even when we're suffering and we're hurting, there's a unity. There's a love that cannot be described. There's a camaraderie. There's a, a knitting of hearts and souls, an appropriate knitting. Um, it's a great time. That doesn't always mean it's, it's all, you know, juggling clowns and, and I don't know, dot, dot, dot. Um, but there's joy. There's victory. Why at the same time we can be sober minds about fulfilling what's going on in heaven and bringing it to pass on earth. And that's what we're called to do. Um, in Acts 1-4, finishing up on that, okay, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Okay, there it is. There's the full picture. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and Acts 1, 3, and 4. He's given the commission. Here's the commission. Guys, you now have the new covenant. We've waited thousands of years. It is done. It is finished. You've got the Holy Spirit. He is coming. He's going to speak the will of my Father. You're going to have access to the Holy of Holies. You're going to have access to commune with him 24-7. Nothing will be able to resist you all the days of your life. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to bring people to salvation. You're going to bring the good news, the gospel that I have been, your Redeemer has come to the ends of the earth, and then I will return and fulfill my thousand-year reign that I promised you guys. Guys, this is simple stuff. It's awesome stuff. It's simple. Our walk is simple. Doesn't mean it's not challenging. Simple does not mean it's not challenging. The challenge isn't in the walk. The challenge is choosing to pick up what he has decreed in heaven, creed in his word, and living our lives by it. So what's the application, right? Let's, let's get, finish this up in the last couple of minutes. The application here, whatever his kingdom has declared, we've been given the right to speak it forth over ourselves and over others. The number one greatest aspect of his kingdom that needs to be applied and declared, guys, 
over ourselves, our families, and our loved ones, and strangers that we meet is this. God is love. God is good. All things stem from the revelation of this aspect of his kingdom. If we don't know anything else to declare, if you get nothing else from this, we are meant to declare over ourselves, our family, our friends, our strangers. God is good. God is love. And I say, well, how is he good? Well, here's just one example, guys. He sent his son so that you don't go to hell. God is love. God is good. All the time. That's declaring the will of the Father. Guys, every area where we begin declaring what is true, we change the very atmosphere around us. Again, guys, there's a counterfeit, there's a selfish gain, there's an ulterior motive, there's a perverse motive to every counterfeit. That's why it's a counterfeit, because it's not birthed from the heart of God. Satan knew scriptures. He quoted accurate scripture to Jesus. What made it demonic, well, it came from, the, <laughs> from a demon. What made it perverse and corrupt was the motive. It's the motive of a heart that God wants to get at because that's what sets us free to walk in intimacy with him. Here's another great example of this. Application, okay? This is an awesome one. Luke 10:5. Jesus speaking to the disciples. He's going to send them out, okay? He gave them... While, they were st- while he was still on the earth with them, he gave them a measure of delegated authority to begin practicing. This was a practice session. He did this a lot. He gave them authority that if we study, wasn't rescinded. They were just given the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant on the day of Pentecost. But in Luke 10:5, he begins to delegate authority. He lets them practice. He lets them kind of work things out. He says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Guys, you ever think about that? Really, let's like, just get into the common sense nuts and bolts. Remember, Jesus is speaking of spiritual matters. You can't see peace. You experience the fruits of that reality. You can't see peace. I can't pull peace out of my pocket and clothe you with it like it's a scarf. I cannot pull peace out and give it to you and say, here's, here's, uh, you know, here's four peace, but can I have some change? Can you give me some of that peace back? These are spiritual realities going on. They're spiritual, tangible spiritual matters. And peace has a substance. There is a spiritual weight to peace. Peace is an aspect of his kingdom. It's an aspect of his very nature. What Jesus is saying is when you say speak to this house, the peace, the very nature of the kingdom of heaven will flow over that household. If a man of peace is there, it will be received. The kingdom of God will rest over the atmosphere of that man's earthly kingdom. As we release forth peace, if a man or a woman is a person who is inclined toward God's nature, who wants peace, the atmosphere will be welcomed by him. Remember, God does not violate our will. Jesus says, if a man of peace is not there, if he does not promote peace, the kingdom of heaven will go forth 
it will find no purchase because the atmosphere around that person, because they have free will, does not want peace. Guess what happens? The power of the kingdom will come back and reside upon you. Never leave you, but the presence, the kingdom is always expanding. And we either choose to incline toward it or we don't. So I know that that may seem a little deep, but guys, just sit on that. How does peace go out and come back? When we pray peace over someone, do we, what are we really doing? We're releasing the atmosphere of heaven. We're releasing what is ours that Jesus gave us because it's his authority and we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 4.23, we'll finish up with this one. I like to give a few examples, give us stuff to chew on. Um, okay, Peter and John were just uh, kind of intimidated um, and abused by the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees. They were sent, and, they, and immediately Peter and John, this is Acts 4.23 through 31, um, they come back and it says they come back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them. Now, I'm actually going to go to this. This is, I just, this is just awesome. I love this. Okay. Let's read it. 423. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders said to them. What they do? They gave a report of what took place in the natural realm. Right? Their, their, their physical interaction, they gave a report. So when they heard this, they raised their voices to God and with one accord said, Lord, yeah, man, I'm get choked up. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. By your mouth of your servants, David has said. And then they go on to quote a, a prophecy of David. Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29, guys, they're talking to the Lord. What are they doing? They are practicing what Jesus said to do in the Our Father. They are putting into practice the training they got while Jesus was with them on the earth. Okay. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they will speak your word. Remember what Jesus said at the Great Commission, guys? He said, guys, all authority has been given to me. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You will receive power from on high. And then you will preach the gospel with signs and miracles, dunamis power following. So the apostles here are, are speaking to God, and they're saying, Lord, we remember what you said. We remember what you declared because your son said, I only do what I see my father doing. So when Jesus was teaching us, we know he was teaching your heart, your will. And now here it is, Lord. We're in the here and now. We have beheld their threats. We have shared what has taken place. But now, Lord, we are going to declare your kingdom, your will on earth be done as it's in heaven. We will loose on earth what you have already loosed at the day of Pentecost. We will loose what you loosed already in heaven upon the earth. Verse 30. Behold their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What are they doing, guys? All they're doing is coming into alignment with their thinking what was already declared past tense from the throne of God that Jesus shared with them. 
Okay? Then what happens in verse 31 is what's so awesome. And when they had prayed, the place where they are assembled together was shaken, and they were all immersed with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. They practiced the Our Father. The Our Father was just a blueprint. They put it into practice. They came into alignment with the kingdom. And every time, guys, we declare what is the will of the Father, things move. Things happen. So those are some examples of application. I know we covered a lot of ground. Um, very, very quickly, we're going to skim over um, some boundaries. In the same way that Paul had to guard against the Gnostics of his day, guys, we have to do the same. Paul had a revelation from heaven by the leading and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, two-thirds of the New Testament. He did not throw out that revelation because of the false doctrines and the error of the Gnostics of his day. The church is doing that. We get the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We get truth, and we're throwing it out completely because of, because of modern-day Gnostics. That's just that's stupid, guys, and we're not stupid. We are not dumb. We have the mind of Christ. The body of Christ is wise, is intelligent. We are shrewd as serpents but innocent as doves. We are more than conquerors. We are the redeemed and the ambassadors of heaven where our citizenship is at the, is at the throne room of God. That's beneath us. When we act foolishly, guys, that's not who we are. That's beneath us. We are not foolish. So we need to not act in a way that's contrary to us. We are not stupid. We are not silly. We are not foolish. We are wise. We need to live in accordance to what has been declared over us. We don't throw out the truth because of the excess. Guys, there are words that are on here, whether it's on my blog or, or, or in, in the, the, the book that I wrote, and especially on the broadcast, I just can't use certain words. Because when I use certain words, people, they, they more identify with the counterfeit than the reality of what's been decreed by the kingdom. And Satan just keeps doing that. He just keeps gobbling up whatever we allow him to take. He says, well, I'll take this word from, from, from the body of Christ. I'll take this word. I'll take this phrase. I'll take this spiritual truth. I'll take this part of the, of the, the, the scriptures, and I'm going to counterfeit that. So they're going to stop moving in that. They're going to stop flowing in this. I mean, there are some websites where you could visit where every if you do anything, you're, a, you're a apostate. You're a heretic. We need to stop doing this. Paul didn't throw out the New Testament. He didn't say, Lord, I'm not going to write this because look at how people are perverting your truth. I mean, this must not be you. No, the counterfeit's not him. The truth is truth. We can declare things, right? This is where the quote-unquote word of faith movement got off. The name it and claim it. It became about themselves. James 4 warned us. You don't have because you don't ask. Why? Because we're supposed to declare the will of the Father. So he addresses that, the left extreme, the left side of the ditch. Then he goes to the right side of the ditch. He says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So James, bam, hits both ends of the ditch. You don't have because you don't ask. When you do, excuse me, when you do ask, you don't get because your motives are wrong. Right? So we need to have the same approach, guys. We need to have the wisdom that the Holy Spirit moved through James in chapter 4, verse, four, verse 2 and 3. Second qualifier, so James 4, 2, right? Deuteronomy 19, Matthew 18, 2 Corinthians 13, 1 
Timothy 5-ish, 5, says out of the mouth or two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Um, so we give James 4 as an example of excessiveness that we need to guard against. John 15, 7 is another awesome example. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So the Lord's saying there, if you remain in me, if you stay connected to me in my heart, you're one with me in my heart, and my words, both the rhema and the logos, the written and the spoken words, which never will violate, remain in you. If you live your life according to my kingdom, whatever you say you'll have. So we say, well, does that mean I can have this or I can have that? Go back to your motives in whatever it is. Um, if we don't have the answer, a lot of it just is we have to get the, God, the mind of God on timing with things. Um, that's another area we're going to talk about, not tonight, but we need to understand timing. Everything has timing in the kingdom, guys. There's a lot of things being shared right now in this hour that are just they're out of timing. For those of you that work on cars, you know that there's a timing belt or timing chain. Um, there's points. For a machine to run, everything has to fire in timing. The more out of whack the timing comes on any combustion engine, the less efficiently it runs until eventually it just stops. It's not just what we speak about the throne of God. It's the timing. So a lot of times if a prayer is not answered, it doesn't mean our motives are off. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us. We don't get our eyes on ourselves and beat ourselves up. Get our eyes back on the Lord. And then begin to ask him about timing. Lord, what are, you, what, what are the things you're looking to put in place here before this comes to pass? Which one of your kingdom principles or wills for me or will for my family needs to come into pass? He never changes. So we get ourselves into alignment. And now this all goes back to then, we know that the Lord wants us blessed, prosperous. We know he wants us filled with peace. We know he wants us in health. We know he wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. He know, we know he wants us to be defiled spirit, soul, and body. We know he wants us to move in the power of his kingdom. He wants us to move um, in purity. He wants us to fulfill the Great Commission. These have been decreed already past tense by the will of the Father. We need to begin coming into alignment with his will and begin speaking forth his will. And uh, like all things, guys, have fun with it. Don't take life so seriously. It's over so short. We're going to be, I'm convinced, we're going to be in heaven one day. And uh, at least myself, I'll look back on the early years of my life and I'll say, what was my deal? Why did I take things so seriously? Um, <laughs> you know, it's okay. It, it really is okay, even when things are very tough. And there's times when I thought I was going crazy in my walk when some of the breaking that God had me going through was intense, intense breaking. And... Um, you know, I really struggled with it. Um, it's okay. He is faithful. That's something we can begin declaring. He says he's never going to leave us or forsake us. We can begin declaring that over ourselves, over our loved ones, over those that are backslidden. We can begin declaring over the lost, our neighbors, our community, our coworkers, the strangers at the gas station. Lord, your word says that you desire that none should perish, but all should come to everlasting life in the truth of the gospel. We're not called to curse this nation or the lost. We're not called to judge them and judge other Christians. We are called to love them the way God loved us. Remember, we were lost. Scriptures say, well, we were yet sinners. He died for us. Guess what? He loved you when you had nothing but clothed in filthy rags and sin, 
And we're still working out transforming so that we're not living by, the Lord, by Satan's lies, but by the Lord's truth. Anyway, I'm 15 minutes over. We've got to close this up. Uh, that's how we're ending up decreeing the will of the Lord. I've got to work on getting this down to a half hour. So, Dorothy, uh, any questions on, uh, on your end? Any raise hand? No, no questions here. Okay. To Good sum up, guys, just, we talked about no. knowing the will of the Father and how to apply and speak and declare forth his will and how it applies, how, how we can actually apply this in our day-to-day walk. All right, Dorothy. Well, I guess I'm going to wrap up. I'm trying as close as I can to keep to that half-hour mark. Next week we'll do even better. Okay, sounds like a plan. <laughs> and but as I don't always, think I it could have stopped yes. at the half-hour mark. I don't think it would no, have been I, completed no. at the half-hour mark. No, I considered it, but um, I, I really just felt that I, I needed to hit that all in one thing. So um, praise God. He's faithful. And uh, you guys have an awesome, awesome day. Have a night. If you're listening to this live, God bless you now and always. And if you're listening to this afterwards, God bless you now and always. Please, guys, know you are loved. God has plans for you. He is not done with his church. He is just getting started. He is just getting started to build. There is an end time armies getting ready to be formed. And it starts as we get our heart into alignment with his. He loves you just the way you are. He wants more of you. God bless, guys. Have a great week. And hopefully, Lord willing, we will see you next Friday. Dorothy, have a wonderful night. You too. Okay, Dorothy, Q Extra. I'm sorry? No, no, Dorothy, I said Q Extra Music. Oh, like I would do it. Yeah, I think it's intro and extra. Wow, I got got friends that are going to be laughing at me after this. Outro, that's what I meant, outro. Dorothy, Q Outro Music. Got it. God bless, body of Christ. God bless. and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D-W-M-U-R-R-Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly dad loves you deeply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.